Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Guys, we're going to finish up today. We're going to wrap up our training and basic training. And let me just kind of wrap up where we've been. We've taken it in three different phases, three different training phases, kind of helping you to understand where you're at in your life and trying to help you to understand where we need to be. And so in the first phase, we looked at some truths that were foundational for our lives, the fact that everyone needs Jesus, the fact that without Jesus, people are going to hell, and the reality is is that Jesus is our substitute, and because we accept the free gift that he's given us, we now have a new standing with him. That's what we saw in the first phase. It's kind of a brief overview. Then we went to the second phase, which we call righteousness, and talked about the life that we have right now in Jesus, the fact that he's given us a helper, the Holy Spirit, the fact that we can have his word and we can be in prayer, and the reality of that life that we have in him now. And then in this last phase, which we call the mission, Really, there's only two messages. Number one, what is our responsibility towards each other? This is what we looked at just a couple of weeks ago. And then today we're going to look at what our present responsibility is to the rest of the world. And then we're going to be done. And this really is the fitting message. What is our responsibility to the rest of the world? And I kind of wrestled with this, kind of wondered, okay, how do I approach this message today? And I thought, you know, my original thought was, is I'll go to Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, which is the Great Commission, where Jesus said, All authority and power has been given to him. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you even to the end of this age. Amen. And I thought, I'll do a message on that passage. But, you know, the reality is, is, I thought about it. For most of us as Christians, we know what our commission is. We know that we're to share our faith with others. Am I right? You say, how many of you, you already know that? Raise your hand. Let me just see. Yeah, most of us know that. We're to do that, right? So I thought, okay, I don't really need to waste my time with another message telling you what you already know. I don't need to spend my time telling you what the Great Commission is and that Jesus told us that as we go about our life, that we're to share our faith. But I do need to tell you about it, but I need to tell you it from a different standpoint. You already know what the commission is, but I think I need to help you to understand what it means to go about and share your faith. Because if you're here, if you're like me, you know, I've been a believer, well, next week will be 25 years I've been a Christian. I wasn't raised in a Christian home, but somebody shared their faith with me, And I became a believer. And I'm thankful that somebody took the time to share with me about Jesus. And so here I am, 25 years. And in those 25 years, I've been told many different things. I've been told, I've gone knocking on doors. I've visited people. I've shared with people. I remember when I first went to Bible school, this is the way it used to be at Liberty, in ministry chapel every week. You had to have you had this three by five card, and you had to write down how many people you shared Jesus with that week, and you turned it in. Isn't that crazy? That's what they used to do, and all of that. And I can remember being defeated 
because nobody, quote, was getting saved or being rejected. How many of you have been rejected because you've shared your faith? A lot of us have. We don't like that, do we? And so we end up, what happens is, is you just get plain defeated and you don't want to share. And it's like you're surprised if somebody even asks. And if they ask, you're like, do I really want to share with them? They may not like what I'm going to say. So I thought really what I need to do in this final message of this basic training series is help you to understand what the Bible means by you sharing. Help you to understand the realistic standpoint that the Bible has about you fulfilling the Great Commission. And the only way that I could do it was to go to the life of the Apostle Paul. And in this, this letter, the letter of 2 Corinthians, he really shares a little bit about his ministry and his perspective on sharing the gospel with others that I think is going to help us here today, that I think is going to free us up a little bit from the defeat that we have about sharing with others about Jesus, and I think is going to help us have a better perspective about what our role is. Let me just go ahead and say it. Your role isn't to save people. Can I say that right now? That's not your role. That's the Holy Spirit's role. It's only God who saves. It's not your role. And, and you don't need to be defeated because people don't, quote, listen to you. You need to have a better perspective. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to look at, first of all, the perspective of God. We're going to see that in our passage today. We're also going to see, Brad already mentioned it earlier, that our passage is going to talk about us being a fragrance. And then we're going to talk about the nature of our service. So look with, for, with me at verse 14. We're just going to look from verse 14 to verse 17. And then notice what Paul says. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death. And to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient... For these things. For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity. But as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Let's look at a few things here. First of all, let's talk about the perspective of God. The first thing I want you to see, we see it in verse 14. Paul says this Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Here's the one I want you to notice. If you and I are going to have a perspective about our responsibility to share with others about Jesus, you and I need to have this first perspective in mind, and it's the perspective of God. Here's what we need to have in mind. There is a bigger picture. You and I need to have a bigger picture in mind. Now let me help you to understand what the passage is saying here so that you can see what Paul's doing here. In fact, I want you to back up with me. Back up to verse 12 and 13. This gives you a little bit of background of what he's saying here in verse 14. Look at what it says. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus, my brother. But taking my leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. Now, thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Here's what he's saying. 
Back in verses 12 and 13, he's thinking back on when he went to Troas. Now, Troas was a community in what is now modern-day Turkey. And when he went there, there was ministry opportunities. God presented him with ministry opportunities. But here's the problem. He didn't feel right in his spirit, and he sure wasn't feeling right because his companion wasn't there. Titus wasn't there with him. So he didn't want to stay there for all by himself ministering in that area, and so he left. And then he comes to verse 14 and he says, Thanks be to God who gives me victory. Now here's the reality. If we look at it from a human standpoint, we'd say, Well, man, Paul, you're a failure. The opportunity was, in th- was there and you didn't do it. You had an opportunity there to minister, but for whatever reason, maybe because he was afraid of being alone, because he's been beaten, he's been stoned by this point many times, he didn't like to be in an area by himself. He wanted support, and his support, Titus, wasn't there. And so he decided, I'm not going to be there. I'm going to move to Macedonia where I know there's some folks there that I know. And from a human standpoint, it would be like, Paul, you're a failure. And here's what happens. Paul says, verse 14, but thanks be to God who leads me in victory. See, in fact, once you notice with me, look at what it says in verse 14. He says this, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. What's he talking about here? The language that he's using actually was reflective of that Roman period of time when they lived in, that whenever a victorious Roman army would come back to Rome, they would have this victory parade right down downtown Rome up to the emperor. And when they would lead, they would have this big parade, processional, and people would be all excited, and they would lead and triumph their vic- you know, the people that they conquered and all the boot and looty that they brought with them and all the treasures and stuff. And it would be like a, a big celebration going on of the battle that was won. And so you need to understand something. Paul's saying here, I've got a bigger picture of what's going on. So let's sort up for a moment. Let me ask you a question. You know, who won World War II, guys? We did, right? We won the war. Now let me ask you a question. Did we win every skirmish? Were there times when during the war it seemed like we were going to be defeated? Were there times during the war when it just seemed like it was not going the way it should go? And if you were focused on the little picture of every little skirmish, of every little battle, would you have thrown in the towel? Would you believe there were actually people that wanted to? But the reality was is that in the bigger picture, who won the war? We did. And then we have a big parade. I mean, there was the Victory of Europe parades and the Victory of Japan parade. You know, the ticker tape parade down what? New York. And all of that is what? Because there's a bigger picture. Here's what Paul's saying. I got a bigger picture. Things didn't go well in Troas. Wonderful. Because I got a bigger picture because Jesus is the one who's leading me to what? Victory. Now, what does that mean for you and I? Here, stop. Think about this for a moment. How many of you are sharing your life, the gospel of what Jesus is doing in your life, and the gospel of what Jesus has done with somebody right now in your life? How many of you say, I'm witnessing whether silently or by word with somebody right now? How many of you would say that? Okay, a few of you. Good. All right, let me ask you a question. You don't need to raise your hand for this. How are they responding? Are you defeated? Because they're what? Rejecting you right now? Are you defeated because your witness is going unheeded? 
Are you defeated because it isn't going well? Maybe they're never going to respond, and so you're defeated, and you're like, I'm a lousy Christian because my witness isn't good enough for them. How many of you are like that? I've, I've been like that. Here's what Paul says. Quit focusing on the little picture. Focus on the big picture. And what's the big picture? Jesus is going to lead us triumphantly. That's what he's saying here. The perspective of God is that there is a bigger picture that you and I need to have our eyes focused on. Let's go on. He also says this. We are instruments of God's knowledge. Look at what he says there in verse 14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And notice what it says. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. What's he saying here? And through us... He spreads the knowledge of God everywhere we go. What's he saying? You're an instrument. Here's what I want you to see, folks. Do you realize that God uses you as a believer wherever it is, whether it's in your home, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's in your neighborhood, whether it's at Walmart or the gas station, He uses you to basically communicate, not necessarily through word, but through your life, to communicate to others, what? The knowledge of God. You grasp the reality of that? See, so oftentimes when we talk about evangelism, we talk about our speaking and trying to get people to pray prayers. That's not what he's talking about here. God wants us to see the bigger picture, that he's going to lead us in triumph. He wants us to see the bigger picture that we are vessels, instruments in His hand to what? Spread the knowledge of God wherever we are. Period. And that's reality. That's reality. How many of you have been in a situation like this? I have. Where there you are, a believer. You don't really, you're not, you're kind of shy. You don't want to really communicate to others. You're afraid of what others are thinking about God, but people know you're a Christian but yet they're watching you. And then when you go through some sort of tragic circumstance and so, some sort of difficult circumstance, somebody will come to you and say, you know, I've been watching you. How are you able to handle this? How are you getting through this? And you say to them, God. See, that's what it means to be an instrument. You are spreading the knowledge of God wherever you are. That's what he's saying. That's the perspective we need to have. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the perspective we need to see. We need to quit being defeated. We need to quit being in our pity parties. We need to recognize that where we are, whether it's at work or home or play, we are instruments of God that communicate the knowledge of Him. And ultimately, the knowledge of Jesus, isn't it? Let's go on now. He's going to talk about us being a fragrance. Look with me at verse 15 and 16. How about if I told you you guys are a perfume? Do you realize that? You're a musk. A Chanel number five. Do you realize that? But that's what he's saying here. Look at what he says, verse 15 through 16. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? Here's the first thing I want you to see, and this is the one you've got to, you to write an asterisk by this. Some of you are going to need a write an asterisk besides this. 
we are a pleasing aroma to God. Some of you need to hear that. Some of you right here today have got such a wrong view of yourself where you think that God is out to zap you, that God doesn't like you for who you are because all you see is the stuff you did in the past or the stuff that you've done, and you think that somehow your acceptance with God is based upon that. It isn't. Your acceptance with God is based upon what Jesus did for you. And he paid it all. There's nothing you can do to gain acceptance with God. And when God looks at you, he says to you, you are a fragrance to me. You are a lovely rose. How many of you like to go to the gardens this time of year and pick a flower and smell the flower? It's, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's pleasing to you. you, know, whenever, you, bring, you know, whenever you bring bouquets of flowers to you, honey, what's the first thing they do? Smell them. Why? Because of the fragrance, because of the smell, because it's beautiful. That's what God thinks about you and I. Do you realize that? You are beautiful to Him. You are pleasing to Him. He enjoys you. In fact, let me just, right now I just had this scripture come to my mind. Psalm 37, I think it's verse 23, 24, maybe 25. It says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And here's what it said. And he delights in them. God delights in you. Isn't that wonderful? We'll say, well, yeah, but I mess up. Let me finish the verse for you. And though he yet stumble, he will not utterly be cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. That's what the psalmist says. Isn't that awesome? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And though he yet stumble, he will not utterly be cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Isn't that wonderful? God says you're pleasing to him. Isn't that wonderful? So there you are. You want to share your faith. And maybe you have, and people haven't responded. People have flat out rejected, and you're feeling like a failure. And I'll be honest with you, in church we used to communicate to you that you were a failure when you didn't share your faith. How many of you have been there? Where you've been told that if because you didn't share your faith and because people weren't getting saved, you must be less than. In fact, you felt like it because the only people that had come up on the platform were those who were, quote, leading everybody to Jesus. And you're like, well, I must be a less than Christian. Listen to Paul here. Paul, the apostle, says what? We are what? A fragrance to God in Christ. You're pleasing to him. Isn't that awesome? Let's go on now. Here's the reality, though. Here's the second part I want you to see here. People will respond differently to us. Boy, does he put it into perspective. Look at what he says there. For we are the, to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death. To the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? Here's what I want you to see. People are going to respond differently to you. To some, you're going to be wonderful. People are going to hear you and they're going to respond to you and say, where have you been all my life? I need this Jesus. But to others, and shall I say to most, they're not going to respond. They're going to say, man, I've heard that stuff before. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Why don't you quit preaching at me? Have you been told that before? I have. I have a lot of loved ones. I mean, I wasn't even preaching. I'm a preacher. Lori will tell you. She tells me at night, quit preaching. But I have, I have talked to people, and, 
and lovingly talk to them, and they'll say, quit preaching. It's not that I'm preaching at them. It's that they don't want to hear what I'm saying. How many of you know what I'm talking about? People, they will listen to you and they'll say, I don't want to hear what you're saying. I don't want to hear about that church stuff. I don't want to hear about that Jesus thing. He wasn't there for me. People are going to respond differently. People are going to respond differently to you. You need to understand that. You're pleasing to God, and some are going to respond. They're going to listen. They're going to say, yes, I want it. But some are going to say, get out of here. I don't want anything to do with your Jesus. So you've got to gain that perspective. And we get defeated by that because somewhere on the line, we've been told a lie that everybody's going to respond pleasingly to what we have to say, haven't we? And the reality is that they're not. In fact, there's a final part we need to see here of this fragrance issue that you need to see there. We see it in verse 16. Look at what it says. To one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life, and who is sufficient for these things. Here's what I want you to see. Our message is both life and death. Remember what I said to you earlier when we, when we had this message? When we started this message, I said to you, it is it's not your responsibility to save people. Do you remember that? Okay? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look to your neighbor right now, and I want you to say to him, it's not your responsibility to save people. Go ahead. Look to them. It's not. It's not your responsibility to save people. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not your responsibility. Don't ever gain that. Your responsibility is simply to share. Your responsibility is simply to communicate, whether through word or without the word, the reality of Jesus Christ. That's your responsibility because I'm going to be honest with you. The message that you give them is either going to be life to them or death to them, period. To some, Paul says, it's the aroma of death leading to death. Why? Because one day when they stand before God, he'll say to them, do you remember when so-and-so shared with you about Jesus and you rejected They'll be without excuse. And the words of life you give to them are actually their death sentence. Do you realize that? And then to some, they'll respond. And they'll praise God for you in that day when they'll say, I remember when Grandma shared with me. Or I remember when that guy at class shared with me. Or I remember when that preacher on television or radio shared and I responded. And and. There will be a sense then when you'll be like, man, those words, they were life. I have life because of that person. That's reality. See, our message is both life and death. Do you understand that? We're not the one who saves. We're simply messengers. And notice what Paul says when you realize that. Boy, boy, that's really a lot of weight there, isn't it? When you realize that the message you bring is either life or death to a person, that's a lot of weight, isn't it? In fact, notice what Paul says. In fact, Paul reflects on that. Look at the last part of verse 16. And who is sufficient for these things? Man, who can carry that responsibility? You realize that? Who can carry that responsibility? Do you know what I think about when I think about this verse for a moment, about our messages being life or death? I think about Moses appearing before Pharaoh. And you remember what the message was that Moses gave to Pharaoh? What was it? Let my people go. And what does it say? Pharaoh hardened his heart. What did God say to Moses beforehand? He's not going to listen to you. Because I've got to teach, teach Egypt something. And what did Moses do? I mean, if it was me, I would have said, well, if you ain't going to listen to me, I better not bother. 
he still did what God called him to do because he was bringing, what, a message of life to who? To Israel. But a message of death to who? Pharaoh in Egypt. So you and I got to have that perspective. See, that changes it, doesn't it? It really changes the whole being guilt-tripped about how people respond to you. You know what? Don't be guilt-tripped about that. You just share your life. And if people don't respond, fine. You're just simply to share. Because the message you bring is both life or death to people. So then he goes on and he talks about the nature of his service, which, you know, we can talk about the nature of our service. Look at verse 17. He says, For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God. We speak this in the sight of God in Christ. Here's what he's saying. First thing he's saying here, it's not for our profit. It's not for our profit. Paul here, specifically, he... he In his instance, he's talking about the fact that there were traveling false prophets during that day who would go around and they would share the message. And the whole reason for sharing the message had to do with payola. Had to do with what kind of offering they took for them and how well the people treat them and and the hospitality shown to them. In fact, it was very common in that day to have traveling evangelists show up in that day, and, and, it, and it was a day of hospitality, and so you would take a traveling evangelist in and let him stay in your home, and you would care for him, and you would, a lot of times, would treat him like a king. In fact, the hospitality rules were such that, you know what, you would go without in order to make sure that he had food. That's how it was back then, and, and Paul's saying that some folks, they went around and they shared the ministry for them to fatten their wallets or their bellies. They were doing it for profit. And Paul says, you know what? When we share in ministry, it's not for us to look good. It's not about us. Do you understand that? When you think about you being a witness in the world around you, it's not about you. And a lot of you would say, you know what? I don't have a problem with that because it's not about me. I'd rather not share. But the reality is, my friends, it's not about us. It's about them, isn't it? And what does Paul say? How will they hear lest they have a preacher? Now, the word actually means proclaimer. But some of you would say, well, that's what you're for, isn't it, George? You're a preacher. No, how will they hear without you proclaiming? And I'm going to think about it. You know, I am so glad, you know, I, I can reflect on it personally. I am so glad that when I was an engineering student in South Carolina, at the University of South Carolina, that there was a guy in my class by the name of Ray who wasn't a Bible banger, but we became friends, and he quietly, through his life, shared that there was something different, and he invited me to a Bible study where I heard about Jesus. I'm so thankful for a Ray. Who is it in your life? Maybe it's a mom or dad. Maybe it's a grandparent or a friend. They didn't do it for their glory. That's what Paul's saying. The nature of our service is not for us to make us look good. Woo-hoo! Look at my gospel gun. How many notches have I got on it? That's not what he's saying here. In fact, here's what he's saying. Here's, the nature of our service is this. We are representatives of God. Do you realize that about yourself? You are a representative of God. You may want to write that down. I am a representative of God. Do you realize that? Here, my friends, you're a representative of God. We're from God. 
We are His representatives. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.